Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. This is William Zelmer, a contributing editor of AJHP, speaking with one of the authors of a paper entitled Medicare Annual Wellness Visits Conducted by a Pharmacist in an Internal Medicine Clinic. With me is Dr. Betsy Bryant-Shilliday, who is Associate Professor of Clinical Education at the University of North Carolina Eshelman School of Pharmacy and Clinical Associate Professor at the UNC School of Medicine in Chapel Hill. Betsy, uh, first of all, congratulations on your paper. I understand that this is most likely the first uh, published paper about pharmacist involvement in providing annual wellness visits under Medicare Part B. Is that correct? That's correct. Thank you. Why don't we start by uh, having you discuss just the basics of uh, Medicare Part B annual wellness visits to help our listeners understand the balance of our conversation. Well, Medicare Part B began to recognize an annual wellness visit in 2011. And as part of that, it really looks at preventative services geared towards preventing adverse outcomes. And currently, nurse practitioners, PAs, MDs are recognized providers of Medicare, and there is a wording within the ruling that other licensed providers can also provide these visits. So that has since opened up the opportunity for pharmacists to be allowed to provide these visits. I think another basic concept we need to make sure that listeners understand is the category of pharmacists you have in North Carolina called clinical pharmacist practitioner. Please explain that briefly. Right. In North Carolina, we're an advanced practice state where, as a pharmacist, we can apply to the boards of medicine and the board of pharmacy to be what we term a clinical pharmacist practitioner. We're licensed by both boards, and we practice under a supervising designated physician. So we're allowed to prescribe medications, order labs, alter medication therapies under protocol. Well, one more thing. Uh, The title of your paper makes it clear that the work described was done in an internal medicine clinic. So just describe for us in a little more detail the practice setting. Our practice is affiliated with a hospital, but it's actually a physician-owned internal medicine clinic. It's a teaching hospital, and we serve about 10,000 patients. We have approximately 110 providers that account for physician faculty providers, a high number of resident physicians in training, and about 10 advanced practice providers. And we care for a variety of patients. A low-income indigent population is the majority of our practice, and we have patients traveling from many miles away for care because we are a state hospital. So you have 10 advanced practice providers, you said, and among or within that uh, group of 10 are uh, some clinical pharmacist practitioners. As I understand, there are three of them, and one of them is providing these annual wellness visit services. And as I understand what we said earlier before we began our recorded conversation is that the experience reported in the paper reflects your work personally. Is that correct? 
That is correct. I volunteered to kind of step out and do the Medicare wellness visits because we were noticing patients with an interest, yet the physicians didn't have the time they felt to provide the visits because of all the required components. They didn't feel that they had the structure in place to guarantee that they were hitting all those measures or items that were required by Medicare to bill for those visits. So they were looking for someone to try it out. And because of the wording, I checked with credentialing and verified that this was an opportunity. So I volunteered and started doing this right after that bill was passed to allow for these visits. Well, and then the article uh, reports on your experience with 98 patients. Uh, please describe some of the highlights of the reported experience from your perspective. I think for me, it was interesting to see that while I assumed that patients were probably getting vaccinations because that seems to be a usual routine part of a, a physician visit or a responsibility, I thought it was interesting that I was able to order and administer many vaccinations. So there were 125 vaccinations that I recommended. And because of some difficulties with Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage for the herpes zoster, that one tended to be the more challenging vaccine to give in our clinic just because of the logistics. But I found that surprising to pick up on that many interventions, as well mm -hmm. as other interventions in the home. So finding home safety concerns that could impact patients resulting in falls and adverse events. And another area that as a pharmacist, when I trained, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with advanced directives and, and really had not been trained on that. But yet that seemed to be a very popular intervention that I was having to make during these visits. Well, very interesting. And of course, your article reports quite a bit of data uh, regarding these experiences, so we'll, we'll refer listeners to the article for the full picture of that information. What about new prescription orders, new medications orders? Did you have opportunities to do that among these 98 patients? In the beginning, I think I was more interested in starting new medications for hypertension that wasn't controlled or uncontrolled diabetes. But what happens then is you begin to be able to charge for another service. And we really wanted to try to separate those and allow the patient to get what is a free visit. When you start providing these other services and prescribing medication and titrating medication to get better control, they're then getting a separate bill. And so what was the concern is patients were then going to be charged a visit. And so in the beginning, we were starting more medications. In the end, I feel like I'm discontinuing more medications and referring back for another visit to address hypertension or diabetes or weight loss because we're trying to provide this Medicare wellness visit that's free to them. Right. I understand. You mentioned in the paper that you provided written personalized prevention plans for all the patients. Could you discuss that a little bit? Part of Medicare wellness visits, the regulations say that you have to provide this personalized prevention plan. And so at the end of the visit, I have gone through the different facets of the visit, looking at home safety and anything that might need to be addressed or labs and when they're due. For instance, if uh, a woman is due for a mammogram in June of next year, then I would write that out for them. So they kind of had this, have this running log of 
what preventative services they've had and the date that they've had them and when the next one is due for them. And it's really mm -hmm. tailored to what they've had done for themselves and what is due for themselves in the upcoming months or years until we can see each other again. Okay. Well, it strikes me that your interaction with patients in the context of this annual wellness visit for uh, Medicare recipients was probably a lot different than the typical patient experience you have in this clinic. Could you comment on that a bit? I have for multiple years been working in this internal medicine clinic providing care to chronically ill patients. And so unintended result of this clinic is that the more educated, more healthy patient is showing up for these visits, which are patients that I'm not typically seeing in my other practices. So it's been very good to see that there are older patients that are very healthy, very active, can be on very few medications in good condition and good health seeing me. So I now feel like, well, you can grow older, healthy, and still be able to function at a high level. So it's a different population than those chronically ill patients that um, I typically see in my other visits. What are patients telling you? What kind of feedback are you getting from them uh, with this service? I think they come into the visit not really understanding what's going to happen. And so I try to preface the visit with saying that this is a very different visit than they're used to with their usual primary care physician. And at the end of the visit, by the time we get there, they are really appreciative of someone looking over issues that aren't the norm in their usual visits. So someone actually looking into their home through the questionnaires or into issues with hearing or depression and, and some of those things that typically aren't covered during their typical visit with their physician. So in the end, they're very appreciative of someone just taking the time to look over all that information. It's also a time that they like to ask a lot of questions as it pertains to their medication that they must not be asking during their usual clinic visits with their physician. It's been very positive. Changing uh, directions a little bit here, let me ask you this. Uh, you report in the paper that for each clinical pharmacist practitioner conducted wellness visit, uh, Medicare was billed using a particular code for which the amount was $159.38. Now, did this reimbursement cover the cost of the pharmacist-provided service? I think it's cutting it close. I think if you start to streamline and get your visit down more towards the 40 minutes that Medicare estimates that these visits should take, then that's a pretty good reimbursement rate. I think it depends on where you're practicing and it depends on your reimbursement rate for your particular facility. But in all, these t tend to be slightly better reimbursed services when it comes to Medicare than other services that we as pharmacists might be providing to Medicare patients having to bill at that nurse level visit because we're not recognized by Medicare as a provider. Mm -hmm. I assume that the clinical leaders and the administrative leaders in this clinic took a look at the results reported in your paper. How did they view your performance based on these data? They were very excited. And before this paper was even put together, we had already been monitoring we meet quarterly to every six months, and we look at RVU data and reimbursement data for each practitioner, and it was specifically noted this great change in the volume and the 
reimbursement rates that we were receiving for these annual wellness visits. And when that data came up in our large group meeting, they automatically looked directly at me and said, congratulations, this is great. So um, they were seeing these effects come in on our regular reimbursement reports. And so they were already excited. And then, of course, very excited to see that we continue to publish what we're doing in our clinic and trying to work with other clinics across the state and across the country to advertise this capability of pharmacists, really to let them step out and try something new and and get reimbursed for other services. Very good. Well, what advice do you have, Betsy, for other health system-based ambulatory care pharmacists who may be contemplating offering an annual wellness visit service such as yours? Really not trying to recreate the wheel. So if you know somebody that's in your area doing a similar visit, trying to work with them to use their templates or their screening tools and adapt it to make it work for your practice. It also helps when you've got someone in your area that's already been through the billing and the compliance offices and how they kind of worked through that. I'm willing to share anything that I've developed, and I frequently do that through ASHP and other mechanisms with colleagues. So don't recreate the wheel. Make sure that you allow more than that 40 minutes initially that Medicare recommends for the duration of these visits because it's going to take you a while to kind of work through that and get comfortable and more efficient. And just try it. It's a door that needs to be open and we need to take new opportunities and step outside the box and try to prove that we can do other things. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Betsy, you mentioned earlier that pharmacists are not specifically listed in the legislation that authorizes these Medicare Part B annual wellness visits. Is that an important barrier, do you think? Do you think that more pharmacists would become engaged if they were explicitly listed? I think it would. I think if we were recognized and explicitly noted in that wording that we would not have to jump as many hurdles or justify or work to have people interpret the way that we interpret um, through our billing and compliance offices. I think it also would help facilitate billing and hospital-based practices because those practices are a little bit different. And because we're not recognized as Medicare providers, it's more difficult to be able to bill in those clinics compared to like a physician-owned practice. So I think, yes, it would, it would remove some of those hurdles. Well, and of course, many uh, pharmacist organizations are working uh, very hard, ASHB and others, trying to achieve explicit provider status in the Medicare law for pharmacists. So that would certainly help as well. Betsy, uh, thank you so much for taking time to discuss your important paper with me. And again, congratulations on your work and on this report. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. That concludes this podcast. For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.